Good morning. God is interested in you. He is passionately interested in you. As a kid, I remember many times when I would do things or I'd ask for things of my dad and I'd ask him for this or ask him for that and, and I'd be waiting with expectations and I can honestly tell you that my dad was always interested in blessing us kids. It wasn't always that he was able to, but he was always interested. In fact, he would walk around and tell us on a regular occasion, when you're 16 years old and you have your driver's license, I'm going to buy you a car. And you might say, well, then he's going to spoil you. You know, no, he... I learned what love labor was. I learned what work was. I learned that after school, I would work. I'd, I'd go to, to do my homework, and then I'd work for him. But one thing he was, he was so passionate about was to bless his kids, and he had nine of us. And he would constantly reiterate and speak to us, guys, when you turn 16 and you get your driver's license, I want to get you a car. And he wasn't talking about a clunker. He would talk about a sports car. Now, I'll tell you something. I never got a sports car. But every single one of his kids got blessed more than a sports car. And I believe that sometimes that's because of what we say and what we speak and where we go. And I say that because I believe this morning God wants to touch you. And his word is full of communication and conversation to you and to me about what good he wants for you and me. And our worship time was just a touch of what God wants to do this morning. I said last week, we may, we may stop the music, but our worship never ends. My life is a life of worship. I don't live a lifestyle of worship. I live a life of worship. Everything I do, I do to honor and to worship my king. So I want to encourage you this morning, as, as I share with you the word, I believe God is active and he's very specific and intentional to touch your hearts. Amen? Now before I go any further, I want to welcome and introduce a couple um, we have with us this morning. A, a grandma and a grandpa and their granddaughter. It's a, a gentleman and his wife that met Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise when they were in Bible school which was 40 years ago, many, many years ago, and uh, they were in contact with them on Facebook, and they said, hey, we're coming up to your region, and Pastor Louise, if you know anything about Pastor Louise, if she knows you're coming around, she's going to say, come over here and spend a night, and uh, so they, they've come over, and they spent a couple nights, so I'd like to introduce to you uh, Mr. and Mrs. David and Nancy Hardwick, if you'd stand up, and your granddaughter, Emma. Can we welcome them? They're visiting us from Wenatchee, Washington. And this morning when, when Brother Hardwick came in, he, he said, hey, can I speak to you for a second? And he believes God gave him a word, and he shared it with me, and, and I believe it's a word for the church this morning. So I said, I'd like you to share that. So if you could come and... And just share, and you know what, um, God may move on you to share a little bit more. It's, it's, we call it the five-minute mic, but, but don't be afraid to be prophetic in your utterances. Amen. Thank you, brother. You know, it doesn't happen to me very often. <clears throat> Nancy and I met in the Navy uh, more than 40 years ago. Um, and it doesn't happen very often when the Lord moves on me, but 
uh, the last two mornings as I got up, I woke up doing verse. <laughs> and um, I wanted to share this verse. And first of all, I was thinking about being an old sailor. Uh, I was thinking about <clears throat> our brothers before us that were on the Sea of Galilee when the storms and the winds came up. And it said, he said to them, why are you so fearful? Why, why do you have such little faith? And he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And so the men marveled, so how can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? If I can find my note here. So it was weird. I woke up in the morning saying this. <clears throat> Steady the course. Steady the sail. When frightened by, lunder, by lightning and thunder and hail. Remember your pilot, your captain and friend. He charts your course through water and wind. Don't fear the darkness without any light. Remember his presence, his power, his might. Steady the course, steady the sail, steady, steady. I just feel like the Lord wants to encourage you. You know, the disciples wanted to get out of the boat. <laughs> I don't know why it was so crazy. With that kind of weather, they were fearful of drowning, of going under. And Jesus rebuked them in a sense. He said, come on, stay in the boat. I want to encourage you, church, stay in the boat. Uh, let God bring you to the safe harbor. Let him, you, 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 as we go through life and we go through, everybody suffers. Everybody goes through something. Jesus suffered for us. He went through it before us, but he stayed the course for us so that we could get to that safe harbor at the end. So remember God's promises this morning and steady the course. Amen. Now, if there were children here, I would ask the children if he looks like somebody we might be enjoying in December. He actually, for the last four or five years, has actually been in Wenatchee, the Santa Claus for Wenatchee. So, and your deep voice, you read that, I read that this morning, I didn't read it in poem, I just read it, but um, I need to get a copy of that. So after the service, I'm going to give you my cell phone number and you can message me. Can you turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1? Second Peter chapter 1, and I'd like to read the first nine verses from that chapter. My goal this morning as I share, I've got a couple thoughts that I want to leave with you. One of them is the amazing promises, the amazing power, and the amazing gift that God has given us. And I, I should say gifts. And then what I want you to also see in tied with that, in hand in hand with that, is our response and our responsibility with those gifts. And, and this passage to me is just a powerful passage. It's nine verses. I'd like to read it to you. And then what I'm probably going to do is I'm just going to slowly go through some of the thoughts that I see in that passage. And as I was reading it yesterday and I was going over it, it just came to life and I actually drew a little... I was doodling, and as I was doodling, I was just writing thoughts and notes, and um, I don't usually go in that direction, but God just, there, there's a progression. We've been talking about pursue, and this passage is when we realize the power, the promises, the presence, and even being a partner with God to me, that's an amazing thing. And what it does is it actually urges us forward. And you and I need to steward what God has given us. So I'd like to read this passage with you. And then I'm going to just leave with you some thoughts regarding that. 
Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus, of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason... Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even, even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. And as we take some time, Lord, I ask God that you would open it up for us that we would receive and see and understand the riches of your goodness to us. And Lord, also that we would see how we can respond to your grace and to your goodness. Bless everyone here this morning in your precious name. And everyone said, amen. amen. A couple interesting things I want to share just right off the bat. It says Simon Peter, quite often when they greet somebody, they'd say I'm an apostle or I'm a servant. But he actually refers to both a bondservant and an apostle. And the bondservant, was actually a terminology in the Hebrew and in the Greek culture where they would act as a, they would actually be a slave or a servant and then at a point in time, they had the ability to leave. And if somebody said, no, I'm not going to leave, but I'm going to stay with my master, they became then a willing servant. Think about that. We live in a culture of convenience. The moment something does not become convenient, right? Well, it's just not going to work for me. Yeah, I'm sorry, but Sunday doesn't work. And Monday, well, you know, I'm just recouping from Sunday. And Tuesday, well, there's still a little bit of residual. Wednesday, well, by Wednesday, I've already forgotten about Sunday and Thursday. And, and we come up with reasons and excuses and the convenience instead of the responsibility. And I found this myself. I can reason away. And Peter here, he's, he's greeting them and he's saying, listen, I am a willing slave to Jesus. What he was saying was, whatever he says, goes. Anybody here ever try to negotiate with God? Lord, you know, like, don't send me, and then he sends you, so I just say, Lord, please don't send me to Hawaii. You know, don't, please don't, Lord, I don't know if I can endure the hardship of Hawaii. And I'm waiting for him to respond to me and say, David, I don't negotiate, go to Hawaii. Uh, that part hasn't happened yet. But it's amazing what we will negotiate or try to negotiate. Our response as a believer is I am dead to myself and I'm alive to Christ. Therefore, anything I do is done according to his directive. So Peter starts off by just setting it right with the guys. Listen, they may call me an apostle and I've been called to be an apostle, but I want you to know that I'm also a slave, a willing slave of Jesus. 
He gets going in that, and the first three or four verses I find very interesting. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. He says, seeing, get a load of this, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You have inside of you a deposit of God that everything that pertains to life and godliness is already inside of you. Think about that. Last time I checked, everything meant everything. Everything that you need in regards to life and godliness is already in you. Everything. Well, I've got a bad temper. The 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 uh, the remedy for that is in you. Well, no, that's the way I was born. No, you've been born again. Well, you don't understand. That's the way I was brought up. And so I've conditioned, I mean, we hear this term, I've been conditioned to respond this way. No, he's made you a new creation. Everything Everything. We either believe it or we don't. And the moment you don't believe it and the moment you introduce a but, you start to lose the effectiveness and the uh, completeness of the work that Christ did for you. Everything you and I need in life that pertains to life, that involves life, that is consistent with life. And the last time I checked, everything that I needed in life was in life. Everything I needed, I don't need anything outside of life. I need life. I find that in him. And I find that through the power that he's put inside of me. Those of us who know Dr. Brown and have heard him, he might say, listen, guys, I'm not dealing with the salad bar today. We got meat and potatoes. Can, can, we, can we be frank this morning? I'll be David, but can we be frank? <laughs> I'm not interested in seeing a bunch of believers walk out of here that the moment we hit something hard, we turn and cower and run away. I'm interested in seeing in believers in here the moment we see something hard, we steady the course, we drop the anchor, and we say, no, this is not going to move me because what's inside of me is greater than what's coming against me. I'm not interested in weak people. I'm not interested in weak knees. I'm not interested in Belshazzaritis. If you read the Bible, that's going like this. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in a people and a group that says God's word says it. He puts it in me, and we're going to see it through to what he's done and destined for us. I'm interested in seeing every individual one of you be the best that God has designed you to be. Paul was writing and he said, stir up the gift inside of you. Hopefully today I will stir something inside of you that might cause you to be agitated. But if you were to look in the mirror, you'd go, you know what? That's true. I, I, I've had those conversations where people pull me short. Or they speak to the greatness that is in me because I have greatness inside of me, but I wasn't showing it. And they spoke to it and they challenged me. And I've had to look in the mirror and I've had to say, you know what? They're right. I'm wrong. I need to get with it. So this morning, I want to throw some things out there. Because I want to see each one of you grow deeper and stronger in Christ. And the first thing I want you to know is the power that he has that raised Christ from the dead, where does it dwell? <laughs> where? 
everything that pertains to life and godliness, that power, he's already put it in you. Think about that for a second. I have so many points, but I always get hung up on the first two or three points. It's like, Lord, help me get this going. Grace and peace be multiplied, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him. The more you get to know him, the more you get to know his power. And it's not just getting to know his power, it's also getting to know him. Sometimes we want to see the flames fly off our fingers and he just says, no, I just want to get you up at six o'clock in the morning so you can go to work on time. Right? We love the power. I'm, I'm waiting. Um, I, I don't know if I should show it. I have these f- crazy pastoral dreams because I watch guys like Benny Hinn. And I watch guys that move in power and I'm saying, Lord, I pray for somebody and they don't fall down and that guy just stands on the stage and he just goes, and the whole congregation falls. And so I've got this crazy idea that one day I'm going to see that happen. Thank you. There's a few people that believe that can happen. One of my children, actually it's funny if I can share, I'm not going to say which one it was, but one of my children years ago when they were just seven, eight years old, we were meeting in a building, and as we were praying in pre-service prayer, that child, and I'm going to say if it's a boy or a girl, but they would stand up, and they'd be praying, and all of a sudden they'd go, and they did this three, four, five times, and finally it's like, okay, people might see this, so I went up to the child, and I said, what are you doing? They said, dad, I'm just practicing, Have an expectation for God to impact your life. So it says that the power has been granted to us and it's in us. And we get to that, we understand that through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So in order to understand the power, you need to understand the person. Get to know the person. And sometimes power, we might think it's flames flown off. Sometimes power is as simply as doing what we said we would do. <laughs> sometimes power is as simple as saying, I'm sorry for doing this, this, and this. Would you forgive me? Sometimes power is as simple as showing up when you said you would. I, I'm interested in people of integrity. To me, sometimes the power is just being able to live life better and greater every single day. It's not always about all the signs and wonders. Sometimes that's a sign and wonder. Come on. Have you ever been in a workplace where you go, man, I just wish that guy would get it together if he'd just show up? If he'd just be present in these conversations? And, and then they also, one day they are, and it's like, whoa, what happened? I believe as believers, that should be where we start from and it gets better and better and better. Sometimes we will never get to the power of seeing those crazy things happen because we don't do the regular things. Take a cup of water. It might help it go down a little better. Are you okay this morning? We preach about the power, we preach about the the pursuit of God, and today I want to tell you that everything that you need is already inside of you. You don't have to go looking outside to find what God has already placed inside. And then he goes, he goes, for these things he granted to us his precious, for by these things, in, order, in other words, through his power and through getting to know us, to know him, he's granted to us his precious and magnificent 
promises. So not only does he say, listen, my power's inside of you, but my power's inside of you, and it's also so that you could appreciate and recognize and see his promises. Last week, I shared with you, and I said that the, the, one of the guys that I was studying said that there's, he came up with over 3,000 promises in the Word of God. And the skeptic would say, yeah, but some of those have already been fulfilled. Yeah, but not all 3,000. Pick one. <laughs> I picked one as a kid. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I picked that as about a 14-year-old kid. Greasy hair and acne. And my principal came up to me and said, David, pick a verse and live by it. So I thought, delight yourself in the Lord. Okay, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Ooh, I like that. And you know what I did? I started to delight myself in the Lord. And you know what he did? He started to grant me the desires of my heart. Promises. God has promises for you. Who here likes promises? I do. He has put his power in us, his divine power, so that we can be granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that, that by them you may become partakers, and this gets scary, of the divine nature. God wants you to be a partner of his divine nature. That gets a little spooky. The nature you and I exhibit should be a direct representation of the one we follow. And he says it's possible. Because it, it, what's amazing is God says, I want you to... He, he's already saying, here it is, and this is what I'd like for you. I'm prepared to let you become a partner of my divine nature. In other words, he says, I want you to experience me in my fullness. How can that be experienced? Well, here, I'll tell you a little thing. Some of you are going to walk into rooms to Starbucks or into a Timmy's or a McDonald's or another place. You're going to walk, and all of a sudden, and you're a partaker of God's divine nature. You're actually a partner. If you look at that word, it means to partner. And God's at work at people's, in people's lives, and what he's going to do is he's going to open up your eyes, and you're going to see something about someone else, not so that you can relish in some of their difficulty, but that you can share the love of God with them and minister to them. And some of you have not had that experience yet, but I'm speaking prophetically to you right now that you are going to walk into places of business and God's going to open your eyes and he's going to reveal a revelation to you of what some individual may need and you're going to be able to share with them the love of God and you're going to go, where did that come from? That's because you are a partner with God. You actually have... Pro, you have his power inside of you. You've got all these magnificent promises. And then he says, also, I want you to become a partner with me. And he's prepared a flawed vessel like me. And he says, you know what, David? I still want you to partner and be a partaker of my divine nature. Wow. Can you imagine what impact that would have where we're working. If we walked into a place, and I'm not talking about this arrogantly, but I'm talking about it with confidence, that God's power is in me, his promises are for me, and because of that, I get to experience his divine nature, and he invites me to that. And all of a sudden, I start to see things happening. And the reason isn't for my glory, it's for his glory, and it's to see people's lives transformed. I'm old enough now that I realize I don't really care about all the, the, the I, I'm over the pats on the back. 
When I was younger, I, 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 I needed them. Now I have my wife who cheers me on, and, and she cheers me, and she encourages me, and she knows my love language, and she speaks that into me. But I'm past some of the other accolades. What I want to know is I want to know him, and I want to know his power. I want to know his promises. I want to know his nature so that I can see him glorified. So then he gets down to verse 5. He lays out this amazing picture of God, what God is willing, and God has rolled out the red carpet and said, this is for you. And I love how God does this because I'm human and I will negotiate with you. And usually I won't tell you what I'll do till you tell me what you're prepared to give up. But God says, you know what? I'm just going to tell you, here it is right here for you. I, th I think God is the worst negotiator in the world. Jesus, hey, I need somebody, I'll do it. He didn't say, well, can we talk about it? He says, no, I'll do it. He even said, Lord, if this cup could pass for me, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours. We serve a God that just says, you know what, I love you so much, I have this for you. And so Peter, as he's writing this, he says in verse 5, now for this reason, and I love this, because he's showed God's willingness, he's shown God's awesomeness, he's shown all these amazing things from, from God, now he says, now, because of this, here's yours and my responsibility. We have a responsibility before God. And he gives, I think, seven or eight things here, and I want to just share with them. He says, for this reason, apply all diligence. And this is where I get with the thought of to pursuit. You and I need to pursue with all diligence, with eagerness, with fervor, the things that God wants for us. And part of that is what's required of me. I want to leave you a balanced meal this morning. God has these amazing things, but he's also got this amazing responsibility. And what I find interesting is he's already allowed and said all these things, and he says, because of this, this is what we need to do. The first thing he says, add to your faith. Add to your faith moral excellence or virtue. I'm just going to go through these things rather quickly. But we need to be a people of moral excellence. No lying. No convenient lying. Oh, you're getting picky. No half-truths. Can, can we be honest? Moral excellence. Well, that guy's just a slippery creature. Not allowed in the kingdom. I didn't think I'd get many amens there. You and I need to be people of moral excellence. Ryan, Kyle, as young men, I want to encourage you to be a young man of moral excellence. Be a young man that is your, your yes is yes and your no is no. Because if you can even just accomplish that, people will look at you and say, I want to be around those two guys because they're people of integrity. That's what God wants for you. And you guys can do it because it's inside of you already. I speak that to young people I'll speak it to any parent here. Are you a man of integrity? Are you a woman of integrity? Because God says all these things are for you, but this, because of this very reason, you need to add to your faith. The first thing he says is moral excellence. The world should not be dictating the morality 
of how I should live, but I should be living the morality of the word of God that they go, wow, he already is doing what we think should be done. He's living, a and, and by the way, the world knows what morality is. Don't kid yourself. They may be loose, but they know what's right and wrong. You don't think so? Have you ever heard of, he's a salt, salt of the earth type of guy? What do they mean? They mean they recognize that this guy's got morals, this guy's got fortitude, this guy's got something in him that we would like to have. The world knows what being a person of moral excellence is. It says in the Bible, don't have unfair balances. Don't have a set of scales that is, is weighted incorrectly. If you charge a dollar, charge a dollar. Don't charge a dollar twenty-five. If you say it's going to be done this way, then do it. Sometimes this can be almost too practical. I mean, I'm so inspired. People are jumping up and down. The power of God's moving because I'm saying we need to be people of moral excellence. He says, and then you take your moral excellence and add to that knowledge. Get smart. Not the TV show, you. Yeah, that dated me. Get knowledge. Be the smartest person in that field. If you push a broom, be the smartest broom pusher in the business. If you're a janitor, be the smartest janitor in that business. You say, well, I want to rise to the top. You start by starting at the bottom and you work your way up. If you're a financial advisor, be the best financial advisor. Be the one with the most knowledge, the most awareness. He says, and this is our responsibility. If I'm housing divine power, and if I have access to his promises, and I am a partner in his divine nature, then it behooves me to have a moral excellence and to have knowledge. Don't think you get by by just saying, I've got the power of God. Have the smarts of God. Then he says, add to your, your faith virtue or, or, or moral excellence, knowledge, and then to your knowledge, self-control. I mean, he's hammering these. Self-control. Have you ever heard somebody say, I just couldn't control myself. Husbands, I just wanted to tell my wife what I thought. I've never done that, by the way. Self-control. I find this amazing. In other words, I tell myself how to behave. I don't behave and say, oh, well, that's just me. Uh, I control. I have control over me. I have control what comes out of here. I have control what goes in here. Can I hear an amen? I'm assuming the, 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 the quietness is because God's working really hard and deep inside of you and, and you're, you're just, I'm being silly. If you know me, I love to talk about the promises of God. I love to talk about his blessings, but I'm here to tell you that there's a responsibility for you and me in handling the power of God and handling his promises in being a partner of his divine nature. I, can't, I need to keep on improving in the kingdom. I need to keep adding to my faith virtue, moral excellence. I need to add to that knowledge, self-control. You don't have to say everything that comes to your mind. And sometimes life would be a whole lot better if you didn't. Ever experience that? 
Sometimes the moment it gets out of my mouth, it's like, oh, boy, that was, I'm going to pay for that. I know none of you ever have. I'm preaching to myself. Add to, add to your knowledge self-control, and then add to your self-control perseverance. I don't know about you, but I want to be around a person that has knowledge. I want to be around a person with moral excellence. I want to be around a person with self-control. I want to be around a person that perseveres. Don't give up. It says in the Bible, a righteous man falls, but he rises up. He may fall seven times, but the last time I checked, he was standing. I've, I've been in, I've got eight brothers. Not all of us are as competitive as each other, and I am not competitive at all. But I would play a game with one of my brothers, and if I beat him, it went from the best of one to the best of three. And if I won two games, it went from the best of three to the best of five, because then he could still beat me if he won three in a row. And if I won a third game anywhere in there, it went from the best of five to a best of seven. He persevered. After a while, you just get tired of somebody that says, no, let's do it again. I don't care if I have to win 28 games in a row. We're going to do it again. After a while, you just get tired of that. And why? Because that person persevered. Show up. If the, if the person tells you something and it makes you feel bad, get right back up and say, okay, I'm going to do better. And they'll go... And you show up the next day and they think, and, and you know what? You might be persecuted. You might be treated wrong. You might be spit on. You might be laughed at. Show up. Don't give up. The amen, amen, the amen meter is lacking this morning. And I have a little device on my phone, an app. It's called the Amen Meter. I'm just kidding, I don't, but I'm going to invent one. Add to your knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance. Perseverance, godliness. The virtues, the nature, the person of God. Get to know him. Be somebody that they go, I just like being around him. I just, you know what? He's cool. He's easy. He loves me. I mess up and you know what? This guy, I don't understand it. But he, he's a nice guy. Or a nice girl. Add to all these things godliness. This is the responsibility that you and I have in handling the package that God gave us. And what's amazing is he gave us the package and then he says, oh, because of all that, this is what we need to do. Godliness. I'll throw one in here because I've already dug a hole. Don't get offended so easy. Godliness. Well, I had a couple amens. <laughs> Add to your codliness brotherly kindness. Add to your brotherly kindness love. Not of a sexual nature, but of a nature that cares so much for the other person that you're willing to forfeit everything that you had the right and the authority and the privilege of, you're prepared to forfeit that so that this person gets a benefit. That's not easy. You don't think it's easy? I went to a store yesterday. It was, I almost laughed. In fact, I did. I held the door open for a gentleman, a lady, and her daughter, and they decided they weren't going to go into the restaurant, so they backed up, and this other guy comes. And me being, trying to be a gentleman and reading this passage, realizing I need to be a godly person, and I need to, 
I held the door open for him. You know what he did? He walked in, he got in the lineup, and he didn't say, oh, why? Why don't you go ahead of me? It's like, I was waiting for him to say, thanks, why don't you go in front? He didn't. I couldn't believe, I stood behind him, and I almost laughed out loud. And I thought, no, that's not appropriate right now, David. He tested me. You think that's not a test? Come on. I've had people cut me off a minute after I leave church. That's a test. Especially if you know them. (laughs) Can we get real? We talk about the power. We talk about these things and they're amazing. But... We live in the nasty now. We live where reality hits. And the last time I watched news, the world hasn't got it figured out. They celebrate what's wrong and they call it right. They look at what's upside down and they say this is correct. And you and I have a responsibility as stewards of the amazing power, gift, presence, promises of God to live as people that they look at and they say, he's got character, he's godly, he's got moral excellence. And you and I live as people that raise a standard that no one else is prepared to lift. And that's in you. He says, it's in you. This power is in you. Therefore, add these things. I'll be honest with you. It doesn't come naturally. I don't wake up in the morning every day and go, here I am. And don't ask my wife. For if these qualities are yours... And are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you've got these things working inside of you, you'll never be fruitless. And you'll never be useless. Why? Because I've got this stuff and I'm harboring it and I'm working on it and I'm getting better and I've got fruit in my life because I'm living godly, because I have knowledge, because I've got self-control. I'm living what the Word of God says. You'll never, never, never be fruitless. Have you ever felt useless if you practice this? It says you'll never be useless. For he who lacks these qualities, and I love this, is blind and short-sighted. And you forgot what God has done for you. And I'm not meaning to stop on an, an end on a heavy. Remember what Christ did. Remember what Christ did. Because everything you and I have, everything you and I enjoy, everything you and I have access to is because of the price that Christ paid. And Lord, help me that I will never become so short-sighted that I only see David, David, David and forget the price that he paid. And because he paid the price, he made it available for you and I. And we've been talking about pursuit. And by the way, Sunday night, November the 4th, put it in your calendar. We're going to have another night of pursuit. Sunday night, November the 4th. Write that down in your calendars. 
we've been talking about pursuit, and we've looked at how we're to pursue all and we're overtake. We've looked at how God pursues us. But here I'm, to, I'm here to tell you today that pursuit also involves you pursuing after what God requires, and that is moral, that's practical, that's you and me, uh, rubber-hitting-the-road kind of stuff. Pursue godliness. Pursue knowledge. Pursue self-control. Get better at it. Get better at it. Get better at it. Amen? I would have an altar call, but I'm not sure if I'd have too many people come forward. I'm just judging based on the amens because that's part of the amen factor. It's like... If I have more than 35 amens, I can have an altar call, and I know somebody's going to... Can we laugh? I don't mean to be heavy, but what I want to do is I want to encourage you. Be men and women of such amazing, impeccable character that you represent Christ so amazingly that people, they don't need to see power. They see power in how you live. Amen? Can you stand? I want you to raise your hands, and as this music is playing, just this morning, the, 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 the thoughts that have come through was God, he brought heaven to earth. He was changing situations this morning. He was moving. We also heard from, from Brother David about being steady, being strong, secure, looking at at stability. So I just want to encourage you just to raise your hands this morning and I'm just going to pray a blessing over you this morning. Lord, cause your face to shine. Cause your face to shine. Lord, I invoke a blessing on my brothers and sisters here this morning. Lord, I invoke your favor. Lord, I ask for an internal fortitude that maybe we didn't know before, but is determined to live a righteous life that is a person of character, of morals, of excellence, Lord, of self-control, of brotherly love, of love, of kindness. Lord, that we would add these things to our life and that we would be constantly looking at you as the standard and that we would have a moral responsibility and inward desire to always be saying, Lord, I want to get better. I want to improve myself as I represent you on the earth. I thank you for everyone here this morning, Lord, and I just pray the miraculous to happen in your precious name. Amen. God bless you and have an amazing week.